0: again and welcome back to my basement for another roundup of the events of the last week. Stay tuned to hear all the hot gossip on the public inquiry into Covid, the latest developments in the saga of who paid for my cushions and curtains, what David Cameron gets up to when he's not shagging dead pigs and who's responsible for the spread of the new Indian variant. This is of course the week that we moved even closer getting our freedoms back by allowing people back into pubs restaurants cinemas and theatres however there is still a need to be cautious so we have given some very clear advice our helpful messaging has included such gems as the pubs are open but we'd rather you sat outside in the pissing rain uh, it's okay to hug again but only if you've had two vaccinations that are wearing hazmat seats and who could forget you can legally travel abroad again but you're an idiot if you do. So, enjoy your newfound freedom, but please don't leave your house. I'm sure it won't have escaped, you'll notice that one of the strangest things that has happened recently is that I appeared to do The decent thing and order an inquiry into my own handling of the pandemic. I stood up in Parliament and said how important it was that lessons were learned and that mistakes are never repeated. So, Mr. Speaker, I can confirm today that the Government will establish an independent public inquiry on a statutory basis with full powers under the Inquiries Act of 2005, including the ability to compel the production of all relevant materials and take oral evidence in public, under oath. And as you heard there, I explained how this won't be some namby-pamby independent or internal inquiry. No, this is going to be a full-blown judge inquiry that will have the power to compel production of all relevant evidence. Ah, uh, now the more cynical among you may be thinking, hang on a moment, what, what, what's all Bozza up to here? Well, that doesn't sound like him. Had he finally lost his marbles? Because when you consider the complete bollocks-up I've made of handling the pandemic, why on earth would I want someone digging into all that and laying bare the detail of one incompetent tit I've been? And, uh, and you're right, of course. Uh, except I haven't lost my marbles because there is something else afoot here. Fear not, dear listeners, for this is all part of my cunning plan. Allow me to explain. Uh, there are two... Main reasons for me choosing to have an inquiry. Firstly, uh, Dominic Cummings is appearing at the Health and Science Committee in a week's time, and he's going to spill his guts. He won't just be stirring the shit, he'll be putting it into a blender and making me a smoothie with it. There is no doubt at all that he will tell everyone what a dithering prat I've been, and how my delays have cost thousands of lives, and there's absolutely nothing I can do to stop that. So My only option is to get in first with my announcement of an inquiry to make sure that it doesn't look like I'm just reacting to what he says. Uh, And secondly, but most importantly, I'm choosing to have a full public inquiry because only that sort of inquiry will take so long that it won't report until after the next general election, by which time you'll already be stuck with me for another five years. How can I be so sure that there will be an election before it reports? Well... Uh, the average inquiry takes about two and a half years. The uh, Chilcot inquiry took seven years. So fingers crossed for, for another one of those. But, I, but I, I've helped things along uh, by, by saying that uh, we won't even start the inquiry until spring 2022. And if you've really been paying attention, you'll, uh, you'll have noticed that the timing of the next election will be back within my control once we get rid of the Fixed-Term Parliament Act, which, which is another, another of those things I announced in, in last week's Queen's Speech. So, so instead of having to wait until 2024 for that, I can, I can bring it forward to 2023. Uh, but, but by the time the inquiry reports on how awful I was, the plebs... Will have already been fooled into voting to keep me in power forever. So hurrah for bother! My uh, new ethics advisor is due to report uh, at the end of this month. Following his investigation into the refurbishment of my flat, he will have to decide whether I broke the rules on uh, declaring political donations when I accepted backhanders to cover the cost of turning my flat into a Turkish brothel. Uh, now, some of you may recall that his predecessor carried out an investigation into Pretty Patel and found that she did break ministerial code by kicking the shit out of her civil servants, but of course I refused to do anything about it, so he had to resign. So, this new chap uh, has a very important decision to make. He can either find that I'm uh, entirely blameless and keep his job, or he can do his job properly, find that I broke the ministerial code, then resign. Uh, As this is a completely independent process, it is, of course, entirely up to him what he does. But you can rest assured that either way, I'm not going anywhere. So hurrah for Bozza again. There are so many examples of cronyism in government at the moment that it's getting very hard to stand out from the crowd. So I want to recognise the outstanding achievement of one of my colleagues by giving a Crony of the Week award to... (laughs) Pretty Patel. Uh, you, you, you may have read last April pretty took a bit of time off from bullying her civil servants uh, so that she could lobby Michael Gove about giving a uh, £20 million PPE contract to a friend of hers. Uh, apparently, her lobbying involved uh, an uppercut and a swift one-two to the gut, uh, followed by a headlock and a nuggy. Uh, all to no avail, as, uh, as it turns out, because her friend wasn't given the contract. Uh, the, the, the blatant cronyism wasn't the reason he didn't get it of course. No, that that would... Uh, that would have only counted in his favour. He didn't get the contract because the masks he was offering were the wrong sort and pre use of, uh, probably Probably gimp masks left over from the Conservative Christmas party. <laughs> uh, however, the story does have a happy ending because uh, a few weeks later Pretty's chum was awarded another contract worth five times as much. Which just goes to show that this system really does work. Anyway, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that uh, this little episode gets lost among the dozens of other such examples of blatant cronyism flying around at the moment, I certainly hope so, because the alternative would be for me to go through the charade of pretty being investigated again, and then having to ignore the findings again. And now we come to my shortlist for our shiny face-smarting entitled Prig of the Week Award. Uh, This award was uh, very easy to choose because there was only one name on the shortlist, David Cameron Ah yes, the most diverting form of entertainment last week was watching David Cameron being grueled by MPs about his involvement with Greensill Capital. Ah, he wouldn't discuss how much he was paid to bombard his chums in government with texts and emails, but he did say it was substantially more than his 150 k Prime Minister's salary. Well, I was paid an annual amount, a generous annual amount, far more than what I earned as Prime Minister. And I had uh, shares, not share options, but shares in the business, which vested over the period of time of my uh, contract. I mean, there's only one proper response to that sort of sneezy self enrichment. And that is to say the jammy bugger. Why, why can't I get a job like that? Of course, that uh, Cameron was a hapless innocent in this whole, sorry, business. Uh, if you believe his version of events and, uh, and he blamed his actions on the lack of clarity about what sort of role is or is not appropriate for a former PM when he leaves office. Uh, he felt there should be some form of advice for people in his situation. Otherwise, how are you supposed to know that you shouldn't exploit their contracts to get their hands on millions of pounds of taxpayers' money to feed their dodgy bosses failing company and make themselves a fortune? Fair point, uh, when you consider the we Tories don't have a moral compass, without some form of written guidance, it's inevitable that we will revert to uh, sticking our snaps in the nearest trough. I Meanwhile, Cameron availed himself of the usual employee perks, like using Greensill's private jets to fly to and from his third home in Cornwall, but, but you have to feel sorry for the chat. I mean, after all, he lost his job when Greensill went tits up. And yes, there were 5,000 steel workers who lost their jobs as a result of it, but to be fair, They didn't stand to gain £60 million if his scheme had worked. So, so, so in a way, Cameron lost far more than he did. And now we come to the part of the show uh, where we honour a very special person. And as you know, uh, you can support these podcasts on Patreon. And one person has done just that. John Platt. John has decided to become... Uh, one of our Patreon flag shaggers. So let's hear it for John. (laughs) I'd like to uh, personally thank John for helping to make this podcast possible. I understand that John is interested in football, cricket and board games, but despite that, he's a thoroughly decent chap and uh, apparently he's into metal, which is uh, something I can identify with as I, too, am heavily into metal. For instance, I have a lot of gold on my new wallpaper, which which is why it's so bloody expensive. If you too would like to get our special recognition and benefits like John, you can get bonus episodes, shout-outs, early access to shows, special events and even merchandise. Or you may just want to support the show because you're a jolly decent human being. Either way, simply Google Parody Boris Johnson Patreon, that's P A T R E O N. or click the link in the description of the podcast in my Twitter bio. Supporting us on Patreon really does help make this podcast possible, and we really do appreciate your support. Right, back to the serious stuff. On Friday, I warned everyone that the new Indian variant might possibly cause a delay to the planned relaxation of the rules in June. Uh, Sage said the variant could be 50% more transmittable. Uh, It is now... Uh, spreading in several parts of the country and cases in some areas have almost troubled in the last week. Uh, pretty scary stuff, but, uh, but the great mystery, of course, is uh, how this dangerous variant got into our country in the first place. I mean, it's not as though we didn't have a plan to prevent such things. It was, it was a tried and tested plan, a plan we've used successfully three times already. That's right, the plan was to wait until it was too late before doing anything. Uh, as you know, we added Bangladesh and Pakistan to the red list when their infection rates were far lower than India, but we left India off because I fancied a trip there myself. Well, it turns out that about 20,000 people travelled here from India between when we ought to have put it on the red list and when we actually did. But the best bit is that even when we eventually got around to adding India to the red list, we still allowed a delegation from India to travel to the UK for a G7 meeting. So imagine my surprise when they were all forced to self-isolate. After some of them tested positive. I mean, who could have foreseen that? So, who's to blame for this catastrophe? Well, let's break it down. I would have never delayed putting a year on the red list if I hadn't been desperate to go there to strike a trade deal. Uh, the only reason I needed to strike a trade deal was because Brexit would have been such a disaster and I, and I needed some good news. And Brexit only happened because we accidentally won the referendum, and, and whose fault was that? Well, Dominic Cummings. So, so, so if anyone's to blame for the new variant, it's him. It's, it's no coincidence that we sold Brexit on the idea of taking back control of our borders, perhaps we should have explained that it didn't just mean keeping foreigners out, I meant having the freedom to choose which virulent strains of the virus to let in. But the best part of all of this came a couple of days ago when Matt Hancock managed to turn this from being a story of government failure and incompetence into a dig at those pesky immigrants. He said that most of the hospital cases in Bolton were people who ought to have had the vaccine, but hadn't. Uh, most people could uh, immediately see what he was really saying which, which was uh, we did our job but some people you know the ones with their weird beliefs and funny cultural differences just didn't want it if you look at the actual figures for Bolton you'll see that at, uh, of the 18 people in hospital 6 of them had already had the vaccine, but Matt isn't one to let facts get in the way of a good diversion tactic, and the right wing press naturally lap this up without question as valuable fuel to turbocharge their hate machines. So, well done, fat mancock. And finally, it looks like uh, we might have some good news about Brexit, thanks to our superb trade, uh, trade minister, Liz Truss, who is on the verge of a fantastic trade deal with Australia. I mean, this, this, this matters because uh, it would be the first deal that isn't just a rollover of, the, uh, of an existing EU deal. Uh, the cabinet is split over the deal which, uh, which would offer Australian farmers tariff-free access to our markets. The argument is, uh, is about the fact that the deal is only worth 0.02% of our GDP. In other words, bugger all, but it would decimate our entire farming industry. So essentially, the deal on we'll offer is to kill off one of our major industries, in exchange for us being able to pretend that Brexit had an actual benefit. Seems fair enough. So so, so naturally, I'm in favour of it. Watch this space to see whether we decide to shoot ourselves in the foot or punch ourselves in the face. Uh, Before I sign off for another week, I'd like to uh, take a moment to celebrate and thank some very important people, our millionaire cronies on Patreon... Uh, these are some of, the, some of the people who've supported uh, this podcast through Patreon and who get an a extra special mention for being so generous. So let, let's hear it for Milton Yates, Louise Cassell, Diana and Banch Jackson. OK, folks, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to get back to work now. Those, those secretaries won't shag themselves with uh, me. Keep an eye out for the next uh, Plebs PMQs, which comes out on Monday. And I'll be inviting your questions for the following PMQs on Monday as well. Uh, as well as uh, hearing your questions, we do like to know what you think of the show too, so, uh, so it would be fantastic if you could a review along with your obligatory five star rating. Uh, please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. That is the best way to ensure you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening, and until next time, goodbye.